1: Welcome in
0: to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. It's the end of November. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, our final November edition of the program. He is hockey insider Frank Cervalli. I'm Talia Rumchuk, and the show is brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. 19 plus, the game starts at Botano. Frank, have you finally decompressed after a whirlwind week from a perspective of breaking news?
1: Not really. We had our first trade targets board that'll get posted shortly on dailyfaceoff.com. Usually try and hit that in mid November, but went to Sweden this year for global series. Had to push it back a couple weeks and Tough week to wedge it in with a coach firing, a trade, Corey Perry news. It's Patrick Kane signing. It's been a wild week.
0: (laughs) It really has. Uh, We're going to dig into that trade targets list in about 15 minutes here on the show. But let's start with a little bit of the news we got earlier. You mentioned the coaching change and Dean Evason being out in Minnesota. And what's interesting, Frank, is that usually when a coach gets fired, they kind of go into hibernation. You don't really hear from them at all for weeks, months, however long it is, sometimes until they pop up. And get another job. Evison sat down with Michael Russo, our pal from The Athletic, and he put together a great piece about Evison's mindset, how this all came together. It was really surprising, but I'll say a pleasant surprise to kind of see a coach come out after he's been fired and give his side of things.
1: It's hard to have that much positivity. And it's almost like if you feel like you have that much, that people are going to perceive it as you not being sad that you lost your job. Of course, he's upset about that. Of course, you know, he'd like to still be coaching the Minnesota wild, but I love his attitude and approach to it, which is I didn't wake up today because I was fired and think that I'm, as he said to Michael Russo, a shitty coach. He goes, I I woke up today thinking I'm a pretty good bleeping coach and I'm ready to coach again. What do I need a break for? So I love that thought process and kind of a lot of what you're seeing now with the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid taking off and the power play clicking again. And finally, you're starting to get some saves from your goaltender. You kind of are already it's just been a game, but you start to see that from the Minnesota wild, you know, Matt Boldy, someone who scored 31 goals last year and has been limited to two like that starts trending in the right direction. He's going to begin to pile up some goals here. He hinted that Kirill Kaprizov has been injured and hasn't really quite recovered his skating speed yet. That was an interesting insight and tidbit. And, of course, the penalty kill, too. He said he was texting with also fired assistant coach Bob Woods, who was basically like, oh, man, the PK looks really good tonight as they're watching the Wilds' first game. A lot of these things tend to bounce back. I think he understands losing seven in a row for a team that has not just playoff expectations, but to do more than that this year, that your job's always on the line. And I love that instead of wallowing, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to come out and talk about what's happened and I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to go into a cocoon and sit in the corner and suck my thumb. I'm ready to come back and coach.
0: Yeah. And another part that really stuck with me, Frank, is when he shared kind of the exchange between him and Bill Garen, where Dean Evans goes, are you firing me, bud? Garen says, yeah, they both get teary eyed, shed some tears. And it's like, man, it's a good reminder that we sit here this whole time being like, fire the coach fans, all of us, we go fire the coach. It's easy. Fire the coach. You'll spark your team. And you kind of forget at times that, oh yeah, two guys that have worked side by side for the past number of years have a good personal relationship. It's not easy to fire friends.
1: Well, it's not even that it's also, there's a belief. And I think if you injected some truth serum into Bill Guerin right now, he'd tell you that he thinks Dean Everson is a good coach. He said it yeah. on, frankly speaking with me, uh, two weeks ago in Stockholm, like he really truly believes that it's not lip service. And so then to have to make that move, it can be difficult to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's stick in the central division here, Frank. I am calling it the battle of mid between this cluster of teams fighting for wildcard spots in the central, like Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, who we'll talk about in a second, they appear to be pretty good. Although I know Winnipeg's only three points up on St. Louis, but then you get the blues, the Preds, the Coyotes all sitting there at that 22 point mark. And you go, man, Arizona as well. Minnie's in the mix somewhat. One of these teams might get into the playoffs, even though, I mean, outside of Minnesota, none of them had really legit playoff aspirations this year. When you look at this collection of, I'll call them, mediocre hockey teams, is there one that stands out as you think they actually have a shot to be a playoff team?
1: Yeah, it's the Wild for all the reasons I just mentioned. I think they're going to be the team that ultimately gets in. I don't think the St. Louis Blues or... Um the Nashville Predators who have won a bunch of games in a row now are really dying to get in. Not to say that they wouldn't like to or that the bonus of getting in in a year in which you're not expected to compete wouldn't be really nice and they're not going to try and do that. But when it comes to the deadline and it comes to the overall sort of 30,000 foot view of this season, if the St. Louis Blues and Nashville Predators are being offered pretty strong prices for some pieces on their roster, they're going to be moving them hmm. because goal isn't to compete this year. So that part sort of stands out in the back of my head. Um, I think the coyotes for as much sort of hype and the trendy pick of this season, uh, they were picked at the start of the year. I think you said you, you yeah. had the he's making it. Oh yeah. So if you know where, where have they been? They were expected to take a step and kind of really haven't. So, I look at the Wild and I say that's why they made the coaching change because they see the door cracked wide open at this point in the season with the record they have. Most years you're almost good as dead. And the Wild, much like the Oilers in the Pacific, have this ability now to get back into the mix. All you have to do is beat the Preds, Blues, Coyotes, Kraken, all these other teams that are sort of right in that mushy middle and get to 93 points, 94 points and you're in.
0: At the beginning of the season you predicted 5 playoff teams from the Pacific and 3 from the Central. If I gave you a chance to redo that, would you or do you still think it's 5 from the Pacific?
1: Yeah, I, I would redo it. I would say it's 4 and 4. I would say Winnipeg gets in, I say Minnesota gets in. Uh you've got the two teams at the top of the division in Colorado and Dallas and then in the West I would have uh Vegas, LA, and LA probably the front runner to win the division, although that's uh, up for grabs, the top spot in the Pacific to end the month of November between uh, the Canucks and the Golden Knights tonight, and then I would say the Oilers. I'd say Oilers and Wild are going to be your two wild card teams if I could, um, you know, chalk it up right here today on November thirtieth.
0: Yeah, Winnipeg's the one that a lot of people didn't see as a playoff team. They've managed to get right into the mix there. And that's where we're going next, Frank. A little fuel check on the Jets. They are are not running low on fuel. They're flying high right now. That's enough plane-related puns and lines from me. But what's interesting with the Jets, and we haven't talked a lot about them this year, they're 12-7-2 to start the year. It's not spectacular by any stretch, but it's really, really good when you look at this team and compare where they could have been three months ago and what we were thinking of this group it's quite the difference. We were thinking heading into the summer, you know, Wheeler, Shifley, Hellebuck, they could all be gone. It could be a total teardown in Winnipeg and a rebuilding year coming. Instead, you got Shifley and Hellebuck signed the long-term extensions and they're sitting here looking like a legitimate playoff team. It's it's quite the contrast.
1: It is, and I think that all changed the moment those two signed those two twin extensions. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is really where the feeling kind of went in a different direction of, no, they do have stability. They're not going to be selling off pieces. They know that they're here for the long term. And to no one's surprise, after a you know a shaky first week or two, Connor Hellebuck has rebounded into form. And Kyle Connor is back to being one of the true, really underappreciated talents in this league. And so you begin to sort of add all these things up. And this is a team that has been through some turmoil. We talked about the drama, but also... um, you know, having Rick Bonus step aside for a number of weeks to take care of his wife who suffered a seizure, you know, that could have been another turning point this year. Instead, Scott Arneal, they continue to, you know, push the bus forward and the Jets are in this spot today where I don't want to say they're sitting pretty, but I'm not looking at a lot of those teams that we just talked about that are in the mush, really challenging Winnipeg to even be out of the mix, even though Winnipeg is only a few points ahead.
0: Yeah, um only a couple of points up, but it just the vibe is so different around Winnipeg right now. Um I think the pieces they got in that Pierre-Luc Dubois trade are all working out pretty well too. Like they got this layer of depth now. It's really interesting. Let me, there was a second reason. I was going to say
1: why don't we just play the clip from Gabe velardi who you know, add a little plain pun here injects a little jet A into uh well, an interesting connection with the Kings
0: yeah he's on the verge of making his return to the lineup and he spoke about his injury which was caused by former teammate blake lazotte and here's what velarde had to say about it
1: well i played with him a lot he's done a
0: lot of little things like that it's stuff that you know you guys say it's an awkward fall it's not an awkward fall it's uh someone pushing your feet out from the back my knee gets caught under me and then he tackles me it's uh, it's that simple um i was pretty close to being gone for the rest of the season so i mean it's it's frustrating He went on to keep saying, you know, I I almost lost my whole season. He just has to sit for two minutes. Here's a look at the injury as well for people who maybe forget, Frank, let's play a little fair or foul on Velarde's comments. Do you think he's justified in his anger or do you think it's maybe a bit of an overreaction?
1: Well, I think he's justified if he has truly a track record of watching Blake Lazat play and seeing it on a repeated basis. Me personally. I don't watch Blake Lazat play that closely, and I look at this clip and I say, "Hockey play." Maybe I'm absolutely crazy. Like, I—I I mean, what part of it? Like, does that really it looks like to me? Like, he hits him kind of squarely in the ass. I mean. Is he really taking his legs out from under him? Like, I don't personally see that, but I can understand his frustration because he's had to miss a chunk of time and he feels like he's seen it before. So I'll say, uh, love the criticism all for it. I would say, give me that more on a regular basis. Let's spice things up. But at the same time, I don't know how accurate it is. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I would I'd be agreeing with you. I mean, like, I don't know how accurate it is if he was just saying it about another random guy in the NHL. The fact that they were teammates is what really caused me to raise my eyebrows and be like, damn, that is those are quite the comments to make about a guy you played a good chunk of years with to start your career.
1: Maybe he just doesn't like him and thinks he's a prick. I don't know. Like, what else do you say?
0: just totally made it up. He's like, you know what? This guy deserves some bad headlines. I'm going to come out and say something. Uh, All right, Frank, it's finally a bit of a quiet day on the news front for us, which is giving us a chance to play one of my favorite games that we do, kind of like once a month here on the show, Two Truths and a Lie. Another name for it, as I like to say, Stumping Sara Volley. So here's our first one. We got A, B, and C lined up for you, Frank. If you're new to the show, one of these facts is incorrect. So A, There is one player in the top 10 in goal scoring whose AAV is under 5 million. B, there are exactly four defensemen in the top 20 of league scoring. And C, there are four teams with multiple players in the top 10 of league scoring. So a little quiz on the top 10, 20 in league scoring here.
1: I'm going to say... Oh, I got a you here. A is the lie.
0: All right. Giddy up. Uh, It is B. That is the lie. When it comes to goal scoring, Frank Vetrano is still hanging around in the top 10 with an AV right around 3.6 million. There are not four defensemen in the top 20, Frank. There's actually only two. And they both sit in the top five with Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes just absolutely lighting the lamp. And there are four teams with multiple players in the top 10 of league scoring. Tampa Bay has two. Vancouver has three. Edmonton has two with Drysettle, McDavid, and McKinnon being tied for ninth. Colorado has two with McCarr and McKinnon as well. Uh, The second one I have for you, Frank, it's about goaltending. So I hope you've been studying up on your goalie facts ahead of today's show. Uh, A, the goalie who has made the most saves this season is Jonas Johansson. No goalie has given up more goals this season than Jonas Johansson. No goalie has recorded more than one assist this season. A, B, or C, $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just
0: write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, I'm going to say B is the lie. No goalie has given up more goals this season than Jonas Johansson.
0: I have stumped Sarah Volley again. It is C. Uh, there are actually two goalies in the NHL, Frank, who have recorded two assists this season. And honestly, if I gave you 50 guesses, you probably wouldn't get them. It is Connor Ingram in Arizona and Akira Schmid in New Jersey, even though he's barely played. Both those guys are currently tied for points with Trevor Zegras right now in the NHL.
1: That That is the wild stat of the day. <laughs> Connor Ingram tied with Trevor Zegras.
0: And they've both played in exactly 12 games as well. So their points per game is even dead even. Um, But the Jonas Johansson one also makes me laugh because, I mean, expectations coming into the year with Vasilevsky, we're like, man, the Bolts are probably screwed. And you look at the fact that, yeah, he's given up like six or seven more goals than any other goalie in the league. But it's crazy to think the Bolts have given up that many shots that Johansson has almost faced He's also faced the most amount of shots, made the most saves.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the goals part doesn't surprise me. We went into this year and I was saying, I can't believe the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to try and get through the start of this season with Jonas Johansson in net. If you were to rank all 64 goalies, 32 times two, I would have had Johansson like somewhere between 60th and 64th. And the fact that he now is in a spot where he's also made the most saves. Wow.
0: Okay. Kudos to him. <laughs> uh, kudos. Right, yeah, kudos
1: to him for carrying the ball for the lightning for you know seven weeks, eight weeks in their season to now turn it over to the big cat again, who may see a lot of rubber, but will have a better, better numbers, probably.
0: Yeah. If you would have told the bolts that hey, you're gonna wake up first day of December, despite not having Vashilevsky for the first seven weeks of the season, you're gonna have a 10, 8 and 5 record, like it's not pretty. They have lost more games than they've won, but they kept their head above water, which is really the most important part of this stretch for them.
1: So quick question for you, because I pondered this earlier this week and Vasilevsky, which is the best number 88 of all time, Patrick Kane, Eric Lindros or Andre Vasilevsky? Wow.
0: I mean, longevity wise, I think that probably takes Lindros out of it. I think I'll say Vasilevsky just because he went through yeah. a run of like without a doubt being the best at his position.
1: If I were to rank them, I would go Kane one, Lindros two, Vasilevsky three. It's interesting <laughs> that you picked him number one. I just think, I think Kane is a top 20 player all time in NHL history. And I think he is going to go down as the best American born player of all time. He is right now, I think. Yeah. There's some that could pass him.
0: My argument of Vasilevsky, you said Kane's a top 20. Is there not a chance we see Vasilevsky go down as a top five goalie of all time when you look at the rings and the numbers he put up in the era he's in?
1: Yeah, there's a chance, but I'd say he's a long way to go to get to Dominic Hasek, Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur. Like there's a whole list of guys that are just ridiculous.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, we have totally gone over our time here. We got to get to trade targets. That's what the people are here for. Let's get to our big segment of the day. Breakers, as always, is delivered by DoorDash. Dash that for the win and make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. And if you're a Canadian listener, you can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25. Frank, your first trade targets board of the season is going to come up at Daily Faceoff over the next 24 hours here. We got a sneak peek, though, for the listeners of our show let me, let me give the top five first. Cause it's kind of funny to look and go the Calgary flames fighting for a playoff spot. And they have four of the top five names on your board. Let's start with number one. It's Elias Lindholm, like legit better than 50% chance that the flames won't be able to sign this guy. And they're going to look to move him.
1: Yeah. I think it takes two to tango. And I think the flames had some real interest and made a big push earlier before the season started and didn't really get much commitment from him. And that part has been tough to wrestle with. So um, when putting players on the board, I always try and think of who has the most value. And as good as Noah Hannafin is, if you were to send Lindholm and Hannafin to the free agent market at the same time next summer, which player gets more money? I think the answer is pretty clearly Lindholm.
0: When you look at Lindholm and his obviously, you know, his cap hit, it's not egregious by any stretch, but he's going it's to egregious. cost a lot. it's beautiful. 4.85 yeah, 4.
1: million bucks. Yeah,
0: especially it's been for- been one us, of the
1: biggest bargains in the league.
0: Especially for teams that are maybe just looking to acquire him in season. Like, it, it is a great cap it. You're, you're bang on with that. If teams who are in the market for a center kind of go, I don't know if I want to give up, like, multiple A-level assets for Lindholm, there are a couple of interesting checkdowns in the center market as well. You see Sean Monahan on the list. He's got more goals than Lindholm so far this season. Dirt Cheap, $1.985 million cap. And another guy who comes in at number seven is Adam Henrique. These two present really intriguing check down options as well. And they're on two teams that unlike the Flames, like these teams are locks to be sellers, right?
1: Yeah, and I think the common thread between these two guys is that they are on Stanley Cup contending teams, ideal third line center options for your team. And the acquisition costs, it's not going to break the bank. The cap hits aren't insane. Henrique, obviously a bit more in the $5 million range. And they're two pretty cerebral players who have achieved or or had some measure of success in the NHL. I love the Monahan story. He's four games away from getting a $15,000 bonus. And you say four games, what does 26 games mean? It means that he's played one more than last season, which was 25. He's been through a lot with his body. He struggled to stay healthy, but when he's healthy, I think he's a really positive contributor. And Adam Henrique is someone that has lost a couple steps in his game, but his game is so well thought out and his hockey IQ and sense is so off the charts that he's reliable. He's never in trouble. And those are things that you want for someone anchoring a third line on your team that could go deep in the playoffs. So Uh, I mentioned in the story, keep an eye on the Dallas Stars. I don't think they need a center anymore, but they were the team that was closest to acquiring Henrik last year. He just couldn't stay healthy. Um, He had a a long track record of success with Pete DeBoer in New Jersey. Um, And I think the Stars are pretty well set now with Matt Duchesne uh, in the second line spot and Wyatt Johnson uh, playing third line minutes right now that they probably don't need him. but if Henrik had been healthy last year, I'm pretty sure he would have been traded.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that cap hit, maybe a little bit of a sticking point, but now that he's a pending UFA, a lot easier for the Ducks to just eat 50% and find a contender somewhere with Monahan. Frank, I've made this point before, but I, I can't stop making the connection between him and coming home to Alberta or coming back to Alberta with the Oilers. Does he not feel, they're not quite the same player, but last year the Oilers got Nick Bukestad and loved having him. That could be this year's Bukestad for
1: Edmonton. Maybe, um, and maybe from a cap hit perspective, pretty similar. But there's a reason why Warren Fogle is on my board as well. And the reason is, if the Oilers are going to change up their bottom six, he sticks out like a sore thumb with that cap hit. So um, Warren Fogle makes the board from Edmonton as well.
0: The third one I got for you here is we break things down. The Columbus Blue Jackets have Four names on your board. It's Andrew Peak, Adam Boquist. They're tied together as one. Jack Roslevic and Alexander Tessier on on there as well. Is it safe to say, Frank, the Columbus Blue Jackets, given their disappointing start, they're open for business?
1: Yeah, they've been trying to move a defenseman really since training camp broke. They've got a logjam on defense. For whatever reason, they seem hesitant to... put someone on waivers and try and clear that log jam. First off, I'm not sure that any of them gets picked up, but I don't think Andrew peak after a dash 41 last season uh, and being a healthy scratch for most of this year really has much value. Boakvis is an undersized guy that has some term left on his deal that maybe at the age of 23, you could get someone to take a chance on him. But even still, uh, I think there's some deficiencies in his game that, um, have become pretty apparent to teams. So, um, they've been trying to move peak Boakvist, some defensemen to try and clear some space for David Yurichek. Roslovic still has two to four more weeks to go coming back from an ankle injury. His inconsistency has plagued him, even though he was off to a pretty decent start this year. I don't think anyone is happy in Columbus. And The Blue Jackets management had pointed out publicly that they needed more from guys like Texier, who last year uh, played over in in Zurich in the Swiss National A-League. He's back. His numbers are underwhelming. But another guy, 23, 24 years old, does some team out there for someone that had 20 points in 36 games a couple years back, does he have more to give? And can someone squeeze that out of him? I think that's a deal that would probably wait until closer to March. but. The Blue Jackets should be looking to shake things up. Cut, cut me off
0: if I'm going to you know, be a little bit too, speaking hyperbole too much, but it feels like Jarmo Kekalainen might be a bit of a dead man walking here, Frank. Like when you look at the way things are going in CBJ, is he uh, going to have the green light to maybe make seismic changes here? Like could a piece of the core, I know we've t- talked about line A, his cap, it's too high. Could a bigger piece of the core be in play in Columbus?
1: Who? Tell me who and then... Who, who would they want? Like, would Elvis yeah. Merzlikens, would he be someone that generates interest? Does he need a fresh start? How many teams are lining up to take a goalie with that many years and that much on his cap hit at 5.4? Like, I just don't know how many changes he can actually make seismic-wise, meaning how many pieces teams actually want. And more than that, to answer the first part of your premise or question, if he doesn't have the green light to make seismic changes then you should just make the gm change now
0: yeah interesting to see how columbus handles things for the rest of the season here another disappointing run for the fifth line fans out in CBJ. That is a wrap on our first trade targets deep dive of the year. The full list is coming out at dailyfaceoff.com soon, so you won't want to miss it. As always, it's delivered by DoorDash where you can use that promo code NATION25. You're throwing a big holiday party this year. You don't have time to keep running to the grocery store. Let DoorDash bring everything you need right to your door. Great stuff, Frank. All right, ask DFO time over on the daily face off YouTube. Where, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to take this one, Frank. We've talked enough hockey today. I'm sure you're aware you're a guy who's on Twitter and Instagram a lot. It is Spotify wrapped season where everyone is sharing their top music trends from the last year. I know you're an Apple music guy, but they do the same thing. Who is your most listened to artist this year, Frank? Do you know?
1: I have no idea. I actually don't really listen to any music in the car. If I do, it's on Sirius and. I just, I, if I'm, if I get any free minute in the car, I'm making calls. If I'm by myself, I'm not listening to music. I'm catching up on other stuff that I don't have time at my desk to do to just try and make my day a little more efficient.
0: You are a country music
1: guy though. I love country music. I like all kinds of music. I like EDM. I like, uh, oldies. I I like all sorts of stuff. You'd have no idea.
0: All right, well, then we will never get the answer of who is number one on Frank's Apple Music wrapped up for the year. Uh, all right, let's move along to our Botano Daily Bets. Frank, we're starting on a somber note. It is with sad news. I, I'm passing this along. They've adjusted the Aaron Eckblad shot prop. I can no longer take Aaron Eckblad at one and a half shots for my parlays. I was very emotional this morning when I saw it, but we will power through nonetheless. I got two plays for tonight a new shop prop parlay where Lucas Raymond is now my new favorite. He let me down last night. But I said yesterday, he hit this thing in like six of seven games. So I have no problem with him bouncing back against the Blackhawks team that gives up a lot of shots. Raymond over one and a half, played with Maddie Beneers at one and a half as well. He's hit this in four of his last five, crushed it in a couple as well. Play them together, and it is plus 143 as I look to get back in the win column. Second up, it's the under between Vancouver and Vegas. Vancouver's been on an interesting run of unders, and obviously, Thatcher Demko, hello. Vegas has really struggled to score at five on five over the last little bit here. They've been held without a five on five goal in four of their last five games. Yeah, sure, there was an offensive explosion against Edmonton, but Edmonton loves hitting the over. Vegas and Vancouver, I think this is primed for the under considering A, the struggles of Vegas to score and B, the fact that Thatcher Demko is probably the front runner for the Vezina Trophy. So under in a great matchup in the Pacific Division.
1: Yeah, and what I would say is, as you have the two top goalies in terms of uh, underlying numbers and analytics this season, likely to go head to head with Aiden Hill against Thatcher Demko, as juicy as that is, I would always say life is too short to bet unders.
0: Sometimes it's a fun little sweat, just cheering for the goalies to make every save. I hate.
1: I just hate the sweat. I don't like it.
0: Uh, let's wrap. Obviously, up the look little-
1: at me. I just hate to sweat in general. <laughs>
0: Uh, but you you know what you do love, Frank? It's you're gonna love the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from our friends at Wendy's. They are the proud sponsor of Garbage Time. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool. Head to dailyfaceoff.com right now to make your picks and you could win prizes like the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Frank, I got Garbage Time today. You can't go anywhere without hearing something about Travis Kelsey or the Kelsey brothers. And now they're talking hockey on their podcast. Let's take a listen.
1: This is, this is like the rookie that the, uh, the Blackhawks just got I was
0: talking about. Yeah, I'm Connor boring. Bednard. Or Ben Bennard. I don't even know how to say his last name. I just know I love watching that dude play hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Travis Kelsey not doing a whole lot to help the he's a massive doofus headline or storyline that's been going around. But
1: Connor Bedard has
0: a fan in the Chiefs tight end.
1: He does. I'm, I'm, I'm very over the whole Kelsey Swifty thing. I'm just, it's not, not my thing. Like I'm tired of listening to it. However, I am a big Jason Kelsey fan, of course, Uh, as, uh, as center for the Philadelphia Eagles. But what's cool about Kelsey is he played hockey in high school and his stats on elite prospects are actually quite legit his senior season 27 games played 21 goals in 27 games 36 points for the old cleveland heights high in ohio
0: i uh i think he probably made the right choice though but i'll give you a freebie that'd be a hell of a frankly
1: speaking interview wouldn't it it would i just i don't know i don't know if my podcast can compete with his (laughs)
0: That is also fair. Uh, There you go. That is a wrap uh, with the image of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift sitting down and watching a Chicago Blackhawks game together on the couch to get a glimpse. Gotta gotta, gotta go see that
1: Bednar guy. (laughs) Bednar guy.
0: Uh, That's a wrap on today's edition of the show. If you're watching in the YouTube, remember hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern when maybe then Frank will notice that I got a haircut. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.